0: The Gut Pharmacist Podcast with Riley Ramosco, traditional naturopath and holistic nutritionist. This episode has a very special guest and a great friend of mine on social media, Narado Zico Powell, CFT, CNS, CES. Narado was born in Jamaica and as a child he was underweight. When he moved to the U.S. at age 16, he was 5'11 and weighed 113 pounds. By age of 18, he was inspired to learn more about fitness and nutrition and took a special interest in fitness. He spent 18 years educating himself by reading evidence-based articles, learning from mentors, and trying different techniques. In 2018, he decided that he wanted to use his knowledge to help others. Zico became a certified Lumen metabolic coach and now carries seven fitness and nutrition certifications from ISSA. Zico shares his knowledge with others via several social media platforms like Twitter and Instagram, and he has a very famous podcast called The Matter Over Mind Experience on all major platforms. Narado is very passionate about educating others, and he hopes to continue to learn, grow, and adapt so that he can always bring the most up-to-date and actionable content to his clients, also followers, and subscribers. You can learn more about Zico and his work on his weight management podcast, The Matter Over Mind Experience. Let's bring him in welcome to this episode of the gut pharmacist podcast i have a really great speaker today who has his own very successful podcast called the matter over mind experience i have Narado zico powell here the master trainer and weight management expert so thank you so much for being on today
1: thank you for having me thank you for having me let's uh, let's have some fun
0: Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to talk about metabolism and gut health, which I think is a very big topic, not only gut health in general, but in the fitness world, I think gut health is really expanding. And you've certainly expanded on it yourself. So this will be super fun. So my first question for you is, you know, I've heard you use the term a lot metabolic flexibility. So what is that? And what does that mean?
1: Uh, that. Believe it or not, it's a confusing term for a lot of people. So, I have to back up and give a little bit of a story behind it. Won't make, won't make it too long, though. So, essentially, I think the research says over 90% of Americans, I don't have the stats for the rest of the world, but 90% of Americans are um, not metabolically healthy. Now, when you have a healthy metabolism, you also should have a flexible metabolism. Now, they, now maybe metabolically healthy and metabolic flexible may not necessarily be the same thing, but they're correlated. Mm-hmm. So what a healthy or flexible metabolism is, is that it does this job that it can do the job that it's designed to do, right? Meaning burn fat when needed, burn carbs when needed, and p- among other, other things that we do. When we talk about metabolic health, it takes all other factors, those things into factors, versus metabolic flexibility is a portion of metabolic health, right? Mm-hmm. So at a flexibility pieces, when your body needs to use fat, it uses fat. When your body needs to use carbs, it can use carbs. And it also, there's protein that plays a part in it as well, but I'm not going to get too much into that, right? Mm -hmm. So what the initial research says, when we started really coining the term metabolic flexibility, the big research on the topic is that when they look at participants, people who are regular weight, or you say metabolically flexible, after an overnight fast, when they test them, they burn fat. People who are not metabolic flexible, meaning metabolic inflexible, after an overnight fast, meaning during your sleep, when they test them, they burn carbs. Now, why is that important? Well, that's important because our metabolism is designed to burn fat at rest or when you're in low stress states. So right now I'm on the phone. I'm not on the phone. I'm on podcast with you, right? Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be burning carbs. I should be burning fat. Now, there are times then you may have to burn carbs based on where you need it. But for the most part, in a state of rest or in a state of low stress, I should be burning fat mostly. You may burn some carbs, but fat mostly. Mm-hmm. Now, When you're in a situation that you're stressed and that could be good stress, that could be working out, you know, running, lifting weights, or you're just stressed in general. What does the body do? It raises cortisol. It raises adrenaline. When those things happen, you use more carbs. That's why health experts like yourself always talk about the importance of being in low stress environment, right? So that's the basically the, the definition of being metabolic flexible. When you need to burn fat, your body will burn fat. When you need to burn carbs, your body will burn carbs. Now the flip side to that is that if you're not metabolic flexible, and there are two ways to it, there are people who are really good at burning fat and there are people who are really good at burning carbs, Right? So you break down fat, but when you eat carbs, your body stores it. You break down carbs, which is most people, but when you eat fat, then your body stores it, right? Mm-hmm. So then we mm-hmm. look at the situation, we say fat's bad or carbs bad. Well, we can't eat air, right? right. So the problem can't <laughs> be the food. Well, I guess there's some breatharians or air or whatever <laughs> they're calling out there, right? But in, in, in seriousness, like we have to eat food. So, the issue may not be the food unless you're just eating crap for no reason. Is really, are you, do, do you, is your metabolism equipped or flexible enough to break down the food that you eat? And I want to add one tidbit to that. When your metabolism becomes flexible and you break down the food that you eat, do you know what your body does in between? It breaks down what it has stored and uses that. So, mm-hmm. can, if you can, if you break down the food that you eat, then your body would tend to switch over to what's called fat oxidation, breaking down its own body fat, or using the glycogen that's stored in your in your muscles for energy. So you don't always have to rely on food. And that also helps to keep your blood sugar steady because your metabolism is functioning the way it's supposed to.
0: Right. And so basically what you're saying here is that it's not just the food, it's about what's going on inside the body and how it's reacting to those foods. And that's really amazing because I say pretty much the same thing in regards to gut health. With my field, I see a lot of people with food sensitivities and all these different diets, avoid this, avoid that, don't eat gluten, don't eat dairy, don't eat oxalates. And and I always say it's really not the food, it's what's going on in the gut, we have to make it able to adapt to a diverse diet. So it's pretty much the same principle here. And I love this connection. So my second question for you is you've talked about carbs versus fat burning. So how do we know if we are personally a sugar burner versus a fat burner?
1: There are two ways. I'm going to explain it the first way that is harder, but it is possible to do and the first way is one knowing your background right so let's say i'm from the caribbean but we eat a lot of fruits not not necessarily bad but we eat a lot of fruits we don't eat a lot of meat and part of it is the economy and it's more expensive and so on and so forth right so we're natural sugar burners and i was raised that way and i've always been that way so part of that can be a background so even If you're not from somewhere specific or from like another country, but what did your parents eat? Then the next side you can look at is what did your parents feed you? Because if you grew up eating sugary cereals, you're going to naturally become a sugar burner. Because just a caveat to that, our body uses different enzymes. And there are so many ones, but the main ones are like amylase for carbs and sugars and um, lipase for fat, right? How the body works, and this is how the epigenetic piece works. Whatever you and this is for most people, the healthy metabolism sometimes or semi-healthy metabolism, sometimes it can be different based on your underlying health issues and stuff like that. But for the general person, whatever macro you feed your body most, your body is going to create the enzymes to break down those macros and it's going to down regulate the enzymes to, to break down to that would break down the other macro. And just an example. Somebody goes on keto, they become really good at fat burning after a while. But they eat carbs and they struggle. They have brain fog. They can't break it down. They gain weight because their body down-regulate the enzymes that would break down carbs. And keto, so that's why keto itself is not bad again, because I cycle ketosis. It's just a matter of when you're using it, why you're using it, and do you actually understand what your body's doing when you're using it? So that's the next piece is what what did you what do have you what did your parents feed you? What have you eaten over time? The next thing is. Are you overweight, right? So if you look, if you look at those factors, if you look, okay, like I grew up in the Caribbean, I came here, I ate cereal, honey nut cereals was my thing for a long time because I, I'm i going to use the excuse that I said it was, you know, they say it's heart, heart healthy. I just liked it because I thought it was delicious. I was like 20 years <laughs> yeah. old. I don't care about my heart. I thought I was going to live forever. Right. So, you know. I just, but you know, and so I was, I was a sugar burner all my life and I knew I was and I also, well, what do you crave? I crave sugars. Okay. That comes down to your bacteria in your gut, right? Whatever you crave gives you an idea of what's going on in the inside, right? That's why gut health is so important. So understanding those factors help you to understand if you are a fat burner or a sugar burner, like somebody has been on keto for a long time, may not even crave carbs anymore they will crave meat and fat because that's what they've been eating for a long time and their gut enzymes have adjusted and maybe their gut bacteria has adjusted as well. Complete shift in microbiome, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who's in sugar all their lives would more like it. That's why a lot of us are sugar addicted. We've been eating sugar and carbs for such a long time. You 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 have the bacteria in your body that craves those and you probably have more amylase for those as well. So you know that you're a sugar burner. So that's the first semi-complicated way but I would say for the average person, you're going to be a sugar burner, especially if you live on the Western side of the world, we're going to be sugar burners, unless you are metabolically flexible. And again, that's probably less than 10% of the population who are actually metabolically flexible. Right.
0: The Thank next... you. Oh, keep, yeah, keep going. Thank you.
1: Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> the, the next, the next way to know is by purchasing lumen. And I talk about lumen all the time and I always recommend it. Oh, except in two situations. If you're type two diabetic, I do not recommend Lumen because it doesn't read the sugars in your blood, and that's when you actually need to work with a with a dietitian or a, or a nutritionist. But outside of that, I would say that Lumen is a re, when you blow into Lumen, it is a breath test. So let's say you wake up, you breathe into it. It reads the CO two in your breath, and based on that, it tells you if you're primarily burning fat or carbs. So people may say, that doesn't make sense. How does that work? Well, but going back to biology school, we know, as I should say biology class, you know, they import that, you know, the Krebs cycle, right? What's the end product of the Krebs cycle? CO2. Now the body uses, the body uses carbs but, um, quicker than it does fat unless you're in ketosis. So the higher CO2 in your breath means that the body's going through a Krebs cycle a lot faster, the more carbs you're burning. So remember that research that I mentioned earlier about people, when they test people and they wake up, they do know whether or not they're burning fat or carbs. So when you blow into lumen and you were burning carbs the night before, that means that you're burning carbs and you should be burning fat and you are a sugar burner. Now, the flip side to that can happen that you can wake up and blow into lumen and you were burning fat the night before, which a very small percentage of the population, that's usually people who've been on keto or something like that. But when they eat carbs, they can't switch over into burning carbs. And then they're still not metabolic flexible. now that's a lot, that's a smaller portion of the population, but I've seen that happen to people who come over to lumen, who's done keto for years and wonder why they cannot burn down. They cannot break down carbs. So lumen is a second piece of really understanding because it tells you exactly what's going on with your metabolism.
0: Excellent. And so would you say that just fasting in general can help someone be metabolically flexible? If they're a sugar burner, maybe they can temporarily switch over to fat burning?
1: Not necessarily. It helps if you know what you're doing, or if you're working with an expert, Mm -hmm. because the body does what the body knows. Actually, I think I should coin that phrase. I just made that up. I I, (laughs) love it. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, so I'm a I'm a fat burner, right? Easily. If I fast 24 hours, I'm, I'm going to be in ketosis and I'm going to be burning fat because I'm a fat burner. But someone who's a sugar burner and your body's not good at breaking down fat, when you're fasting, your blood sugar drops and your body's asking for more and more and more sugars and carbs because that's what it knows. It's mm-hmm. not designed to switch into fat burning. That's one reason why, for example, men... Most men, at least, are naturally better at fat burning than women. Mm-hmm. Apples to apples. They say they both right. had the same lifestyle, the same lifestyle, eating the same diet, all that stuff. Most men are going to con- come out naturally better at fat burning. Now, if all out, if, other things that can change that, like lifestyle changes, but apples to apples, men are better. That's why on a daily fast, most experts always say that men should can fast longer than women. Like my general recommendation is for a woman who's never fasted, 12 hours. Sh- Per a day should be your your, your minimum. I um, mean your maximum. Sorry, you should start off at twelve. Never fast if you've never fasted. Start off at twelve hours. Some experts say fourteen. I say twelve. And most women max out about fourteen to fifteen hours on a daily fast. Men, on the other hand, can should start out at fourteen hours because men are. It's easier for a man to switch over into fat burning. Right now, this is the other side to it. If you just fast, and because I've had people who fasted for 20 hours and blow into lumen. They're like, first of all, they feel horrible. And they're like, I'm, I'm it. I'm still burning carbs. Where are all these carbs coming from? It's coming from your stored glycogen that you have. And then on top of that, once you lose up that stored glycogen, it's probably not going to get into fat oxidation It's going to ask you to eat. That's why you have headaches, low blood sugar, and all that stuff, because, and that's why you get hangry. Right? So that's why it drives me nuts when people say, I'm just going to fast and try to lose weight. Well, it's you, you, it possible, but unless you're doing it properly, you can cause more health issues. And then, oh my God, don't add in if you're type two diabetic or if yeah. you had hypothyroidism or something like that. There's so many things that can go wrong in the body. So anyone that thinks about fasting, it is great. And I fast daily. I even do a dinner to dinner fast once a week, but it's taken me years for my body to get optimized to be able to do that.
0: Excellent. And I love this. You're taking me back to my kinesiology classes in college. So how does gut health play a role in metabolism? You know, I love gut health. You have a pretty good education on gut health. So how does gut health play a role in metabolism?
1: I don't know what I'm, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't
0: know <laughs> no, <laughs> you do.
1: <laughs> She's making me sound like an expert here. I mean, how <laughs> dare I have these certifications, But, <laughs> but seriously. There's a lot. There's really two things I consider when I talk about gut health. I mentioned the gut enzyme piece, right? So that's a very important thing to understand. You have to have the right gut enzymes. And that gets tricky. I know there's some experts, like I think uh, Julie, who was on your show, uh, that was on your show and was on my show. She actually prescribes gut enzymes to some of her clients who don't naturally produce those enzymes. And then some experts that do that. In some cases, I will say to someone that they may think about using gut enzymes based on where they are in their journey and what's happening. I don't generally believe that you should be for a long-term solution, but right. something to give your metabolism a boost. Like if you're low on amylase, it can give your body some amylase in the meantime. If you're low on lipase, it can do so in the meantime. So it can, it can mostly pass at one to two months max is where I really say, unless your dietitian or nutritionist recommended for a specific reason. But having the right enzymes in your gut is extremely important to make sure that you can break down fat and carbs, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, outside of taking the gut enzymes, you're, for most of us, if you follow the right diet, your body will be able to switch over and create the right enzymes appropriately. So, for, so right enzymes for fat, right enzymes for carbs. And that's why I say, if you're on keto for a long time, you become really good at fat, but really bad at carbs. Right, mm-hmm. and there's a timing piece of that as well. So your body, for most of us, our bodies can create the right enzymes, but supplementing in the beginning, working with an expert can be beneficial as well. Now, Love
0: that. Mm-hmm.
1: The next thing I want to mention is gut bacteria, right? Because you have to have the right gut bacteria, and I'm basically not gonna break everybody that break us down and give her body the boring story behind everything. This is how I look at it. We have good bacteria, we got bad bacteria. They're playing a tug of war, right? The good bacteria, let's say they're even, middle of the fight, tug of war, nobody's moving, they're both equally strong, which for most people, the bad, the bad is really winning, but it is what it is. If you feed, whichever one of the two you're, you feed is going to be stronger. Say so if you feed the bad bacteria, you're gonna have more bad bacteria, right? If you feed the good bacteria, You're going to have more good bacteria and that's what drives me nuts and people ask me what probiotics do you use i'm like well that's really a tough question because i don't really take probiotics and not anymore and most of the time my my diet is just so clean and i eat a lot of like artichokes brussels sprouts oligosaccharides like i feed my good gut bacteria naturally if i feel that if i feel like taking and also i take stuff out of my diet that would feed my bad bacteria. Not 100% nobody is perfect, right? I think i come as close as you possibly could, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, seriously, but seriously, nobody is perfect. But I try to take out as much of like added sugars and stuff out of my diet that would feed my bad bacteria. So you so to have a good growth of good bacteria. Now, why is that important? We've done research, not me personally, because you know I get paid to do other things, but the scientists do research where they take twins who are overweight and regular weight. And you probably know about this research. Right? Everybody who does gut health knows this research. Mm-hmm. And they take the bacteria from the lean twin and the obese twin, and they put it in germ-free mice. And it was like different sets of twins. I think it was 20 or more, whatever the number was. And as predicted, the gut bacteria in the lean twin kept the mice lean, and the bacteria from the, old, from the obese twin made the mice obese. So they started to realize that people that have a healthy body weight which that's a misnomer within itself, but quote-unquote healthy body weight has a different gut environment. So when we're thinking about, okay, I'm just going to cut my calories and lose weight. Yeah, you probably lose five pounds, probably lose 10 pounds, might even lose 20 pounds, like who knows? But then over time, how are you going to sustain that if you don't have the right gut environment? Because okay. you need certain bacteria to be, to, 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 certain bacteria has a direct impact on your metabolism And you, and you need to feed that back those bacteria for them to, for them to thrive in your gut, in your microbiome, which is better for long-term weight management.
0: Yeah. So gut health is a huge piece of weight management, metabolism. So we have gut health what are some other ways that we can shift our metabolism to be more flexible obviously diet probably exercise lowering stress are there any specifics that you could give us
1: yeah so first it starts with sleep always starts with sleep everything starts with your quality of sleep if your sleep quality is bad i don't care what else you're doing you're going to have issues yep sleep is especially if an hour is at 10 to 12 that's when the body really st- is in re- really in repair mode. It's fantastic for your body, and I have an article about quality sleep on secrethealth.com. Check it out. I've had thousands of people read that article, and I've had people give me a lot of feedback about like one of the best articles they've ever read on on the topic. And it's over the years, I keep adding more things as I learn more. So go ahead and check that article out. But it starts with quality sleep, with meanings resetting your circadian rhythm, so your body knows when it's daytime, your body knows when it's nighttime. And it operates efficiently. And so once your body can repair itself, the next thing is when it really comes into your diet, right? So how you eat. And we talk about that. So I'm not going to bore about it with the whole story again. By having the right diet, which has a direct impact on the health of your gut, which those bacteria have a direct impact on your metabolism. So that's number two. The next thing is your habits, right? So are you getting sunlight? How much sunlight are you getting a day? We're not vampires. I I walk outside every morning. Part of my routine is I get up, I meditate, play guitar for about 10, 15 minutes. I like to play my acoustic in the morning, my classical guitar, play some riffs and stuff like that, start my day, take a shower, go outside for a walk, and I get up around 6 to 6.30 every day. So I have about an hour, hour and a half to be able to do that routine, Right. I get my sunlight. Um, depending on where I'm walking, I may be able to ground myself. Sometimes I may be sitting in the grass and play my music, and I I, I start my day off in a low stressful environment, right? Or a low stress environment. So your habits, which of course includes lowering stress and how we respond to stress, but sl- getting quality sleep, re- at, reacting, re- um, acting in, I say, grounding yourself in nature along with nutrition. Those things all play an important part in lowering stress, right? So your habits is the next piece. And then the last thing I'm gonna mention, which I'm a personal trainer, and this is the last thing I'm gonna mention, is working out. I didn't say that was first. I didn't know what's second. I didn't say it was third. Working out to me is fourth because I've come across people who will train forever and don't lose a pound or they'll lose some weight and gain it right back. Because working out is the smallest piece of the entire thing. Because if you spend 24 hours in a day, let's say you spend an hour in the gym. Let's say you spend two hours a day in the gym, which most people don't. You still have 22 hours. That's what? 90% of your day, whatever the math is. I didn't do the math in my head, but the 90% of your day or so, right? What do you think has a big impact on your health? The two hours, that 10% or the 90% of the rest of your day? That's why everything that I talk about on my page, on my Instagram, on Matter over Money experience, everything I talk about is most of that is about that ninety percent. Mm-hmm. I really actually post stuff about working out because I don't care how much you bench in the gym if you're not taking care of that ninety percent. Right. Right. And that's something I talk to with my clients. So that's very important. Now the workout piece, I'm gonna make this as short as I can. Are you, most human beings? Actually, human beings in general, biologically speaking, are not designed to be in high stress mode all the time, including when you work out. One of the biggest mistakes that we make, we go to the gym and we cardio ourselves to death. And we put ourselves in that high stress mode consistently when most of us lead stressful lives anyway. And you go to the gym and you create more stress on top of that, which, of course, creates cravings and all that stuff. Now, think about it from a historical standpoint. Human beings, our ancestors never really run around all the time, right? They ran because they were running away from something or they're running to catch their food or whatever they were doing. That's how human beings are designed, right? Now, if you're an athlete, that's a different thing. There are times I have to train in a high-stress environment. That's a whole different idea, but we're not talking about those people. We're talking about just the general um, audience out there, right, general public. So we go to gym and we put ourselves in this high-stress environment. What we should be doing, is what our ancestors did were was, We have cardio in our routine. Don't ever take cardio out. You need cardio in your routine. And I have different recommendations that we can talk about that. But what I'm really looking for is strength training should always be the base of your training. Reason why that for most people, strength training keeps you below the anaerobic zone. So it keeps you in zone two for the most part, which is which promotes fat oxidation, fat burning. Right. So that's very important to understand. Then it helps you to build lean muscle, lean muscle. I'm not talking about looking like a bodybuilder. I'm talking about lean muscle. It, I get it all the time from women. I want to look like a man. I still hear that all the time. It drives me insane.
0: Right. A woman <laughs> that you may
1: say looks like a man has to work to do that. If I'm a man. And yes, contrary to popular belief, yes, I am a man. And yes, <laughs> I this year I said, I'm not going to prepare for any events. I'm going to focus on building about 10 pounds of lean muscle. And I have to work really hard to do that because I'm about to be 40, 40 this year, right? But I have to purposely put in the work to build that 10 pounds. Even bodybuilders, experienced bodybuilders may gain about a pound of lean muscle every two months or so, right? And that's considered a good thing. So we sit here and say, I don't want to have all that muscle. Unless you you have the genes of Arnold or something, You're not. that's not going to happen for male or female. Right. Right. And Eva Arnold and myself, we have to work on those things to get there. Right. Mm -hmm. So but basically what I'm going to say is that working in training in weightlifting helps you to be lean muscle. And remember, sarcopenia is basically a disease. It's a loss of muscle as we age or multiple starts around age 30 if you haven't trained. So it helps you to deal with that, helps your body to respond better to inflammation because you're actually creating an inflammatory environment when you train. But you're training, you're teaching your body to respond to that inflammation. That's when you heal, right? So you feel the pain, that's the inflammation. Your body is resting, recovering, Which is why sleep is important because it helps you to recover. So it helps your body to deal and respond to that inflammation better. Helps you to build that lean muscle. And what people don't understand is that lean muscle stores glycogen. Of course, your liver does, but most of it is stored in your muscles, right? That lean muscle stores glycogen. The more lean muscle you have, the more you can store glycogen. So that means that if you go above on your carbs then you should do let's say a day or whatever the case may be you have space if you're metabolically flexible to store that excess glycogen if you don't have enough space to store that excess glycogen you're going to gain some weight in, in in body fat because your body has nowhere to go with that excess glycogen so that's why someone who's over, who has more muscle or bodybuilders can tolerate a higher carb diet then someone doesn't have enough lean muscle because they have the space to store that glycogen. So yes, you can cardio yourself to death and burn all this muscle and fat at the same time. But then let's say later on in life, you go back to what you were doing before or you kind of die down what you were doing before. It's easier to put that weight back on because your body doesn't have enough lean muscles to store. And then if you weren't focusing on metabolic flexibility, then your body's not even in an area where it can actually help to break down the carbs and the fats as it should. Last thing I'm going to say, sorry, last thing, I know I said i make it short. I'm trying to make it short. There is a case to say, and this really depends, and that's why, why it's important to work with a specialist. If you are a fat burner, but a natural fat burner, there may be times that you have to do a little bit more cardio or maybe high intensity to train your body to become better at burning um, carbs. that there' is rare situations where that may be needed. But the price situation that I mentioned would be for most people.
0: excellent. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to re-listen to everything you're saying because, I love it. It's just taking me back to my personal trainer days. And there's so much scientific information that you're bringing. So thank you again. I think this is very valuable for probably most people because we know the average normal person now does struggle with their weight. So there are some really great tips here that they can listen to. So tell us if you have any announcements, any news, and then where people can find you.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things I would say, one, check out Lumen. The website is lumen.me. Even if you're not interested in it, I say j- doesn't hurt to read. Right. So go check it out. See what it's about. They have, once you purchase Lumen, you're, you join a, their Facebook group. I think right now has like 38,000 people and they also have experts in the group that help to answer other questions. So let's say you want to know about working out, you know, or you want to work about know about certain foods that you can eat to help your metabolism. Like, you know, I'm one of the experts, Maria. Fox is one of the experts. We have uh, many, about five or six of us who feel those questions and help you with day-to-day things. So you don't feel that, like, oh, I'm just going to blow into this and I'm going to be good. No, we give you some guidance there on things that we probably didn't even think about, right? And I'm honest, there are times, and and this is rare, I've said to someone, lumen is not the right product for you because you have hypothyroidism or because you have uh, under, um, type two diabetes or something like that. I may say to you, hey, I don't think you're I think you may need to work with a dietitian or a nutritionist and it, and it may not be best for you. So check out that, check out lumen.me. My code Zico Health gives you $50 off. Most codes on most stuff give you 10-15%. But because I've been working with them and I definitely believe in what they do, it gives you $50 off. So think about that. So like around Christmas time, they they might have a sale because Christmas is coming up, depending on where you are in the country or in the world. But you get fifty fifty dollars off on top of that. So it's a nice gift for you or a loved one going to uh going into the going into the uh the new year. Next thing is check out my Instagram, Zico Health, Z-E-C-O-Health. I try to make everything easy. And basically that's it. My website is ZicoHealth.com. Everyone check it out. Oh, and of course. My podcast, how did I forget that? The Matter of a Mind Experience
0: Oh it's basically yes. on Listen to that. I'm also on there off. too, you guys. <laughs> we have an episode, I think from March and April that we talked about. So yeah, his podcast is amazing. Definitely go listen to that.
1: Yep. So that's it. That's what I have for everyone. And uh, Riley, I'm really glad that you have me on. And I'm definitely going to have you on for part two.
0: Oh, awesome. I am so excited. Well, thank you so much for being on and sharing all this valuable information. We really appreciate you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Hey there. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at gut expert Riley on Facebook at the gut pharmacist, same spelling as this podcast on YouTube at the gut pharmacist, and my website is holisticriley.podia.com, Podia, where you can find information on working with me, my background, and more helpful information to feel empowered in your journey.